Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Bob Valvano is now right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Blessed and very happy and very grateful. And so all those things, believe me, nobody nobody takes any of the this part for granted. Uh, but when you get greetings on your birthday, do you ever find it intriguing to kind of well, first of all, the, the very odd one you'll get from a person, and sadly, I'm, I'm embarrassed to see you don't remember who they are. That's kind of like, I, you know, guy says, I went to school with you or something, and you know, really? Okay, sorry. Don't remember that. I'm sure there are people I would do that, and they'd say the same thing. But um, the other ones are like, there's somebody you went to school with, and they were, I don't know, they were like, you know, wild men or wild women or whatever, and they just were just, you know, all... <laughs> Just flat out drunk every weekend and throwing up and and just and then you look at their profile now and they're like I don't know the head of surgery at <laughs> some, some hospital I don't know whether that should be reassuring or um, depressing I mean on the one hand you say hey great look at that. they got their lives together and they you also say I ah, I don't know if, you know if uh, if wild bronco that was his nickname in college should be <laughs> coughing people open <laughs> i am not quite well, sure people can that. grow up and change get it out yeah. of their system and everything yeah you know there's there's something to that one of my one of my dearest friends i grew up with uh who, who at once got in trouble for running naked on the roof of the school there became, you go. became an air force honor guardsman so you know he he but straight, insisted he before up. he got the promotion that he could serve naked. That he's the only guy that they allowed to do that. <laughs> they made so. a special pass just for him. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, I get it, I, and and it's kind of cool. And uh, it's just it's amazing. You know what else is amazing though? This is what I found very intriguing to me. If we want to be quasi serious for just one moment, is that there were people in high school that I literally would have thought. Um, you know, I, I it didn't was like I was I hated them or anything, like that, but I had nothing to do with. I mean, they just were. It was kind of like they've established that they uh, have interested things that I wasn't interested in, and they do things that. I mean, I was, I was quasi geeky. I mean, I didn't. I drank one beer in my entire time in high school, my senior year, at one beer, and uh, not that that's any kind of a yardstick, especially you know, being aware now of the potential for alcohol abuse even for young kids but that's 
But I was always just so busy wanting to play sports, watch sports, play sports. That's what I did. I played three sports, and when I wasn't playing, I was watching it and everything else. And there's some people simply, it's no great sin. We're not interested in sports. That's fine. And so we went in different circles. And then you get older, and for whatever reason, sometimes they will, you know, you reach out to them, or you'll see something they put on Facebook or social media or somewhere, and you you say, hey, that's really cool or something. And they say, yeah, you know, it's cool. How you doing? And then you ask how they're doing. And it's just, it really is amazing, which is why I'm always so depressed, quite honestly, when I see how willing we all are to fight each other over mm-hmm. kind of everyday stuff. Because if you really strip it down, man, we're way more similar than we are different. I mean, even those kids that you said I had, I didn't say two words, two sentences to you in our entire three years in high school. Um, and yet, you know, when we start talking now, and it's the same thing. They want great things for their kids. They're trying to be successful in their jobs. They're trying to figure out how they're going to pay for their house and their car. They want to stay healthy. I mean, you know, it's it's really the things that are different are so less significant than the things that are the same. I mean, I, you know, the, the if, if unless they're bad people. I mean, if they're out there you know, robbing banks or something. <laughs> but I mean, by and large, if they're if they're trying to just get along, just trying to find a way to get along, um, you know, that's uh, that's that's really. I know there were some of those people I really stayed in touch with pretty closely that I had really nothing to do with when we were kids, and it was kind of fun, you know. It's uh, it's very very interesting to see how they. No, I was kind of struck by that. We we kind of had the same. And I I even made a note of this when uh, in our my graduation speech in uh, high school was that there wasn't really a click in our grade. Everyone got along pretty well. Um, that said, when we did the ten year uh, anniversary, um, or the ten year reunion, I mean, there was like a group of students at the end of it, former students. Um, that closed the bar down that in high school, like we were all cool. We never really hung out with each other. And I just thought it was really cool that there was like a representative of like five different groups. If you were to break our, you know, grade down and we've all kind of stayed in contact with each other. It's been, it's kind of nice. Yeah, no, uh, well, I suppose I don't, this is telling tales out of school. Um, cause this goes to ninth grade. I mean, so come on. I mean, come on. That's all I could say about that. The, the a girl that I was that, um, um, I, you know, I, I, I had nothing to do with. It. I don't know what else to say it. I mean, it wasn't like I it wasn't like I knew her and said, God, oh my, I can't stand that girl. She's a jerk. I just didn't have much to do with her. And it was kind of weird because let's not kid ourselves. Certain cliques, if you want to call them that, are the ones that are interested in certain things. There's a certain group of kids that are interested in the band, certain ones that are interested in playing sports, certain ones are interested in being cheerleaders. She was not really part of the cheerleadery group of girls, but, um, but she, but she was a cheerleader. And, um, it's funny the things you remember. They all got new cheerleading outfits. For our school was set up so that the it was a junior high and then a high school. Junior high was seven, eight, nine, and the high school was ten, eleven, and twelve. And so the the ninth grade girls were the cheerleaders, and they got new cheerleading uniforms for my ninth grade year, and they looked fantastic. I mean, the other ones they had must have been from like the, the Eisenhower administration. So they looked really great. And I don't know how this came out. It was very, it wasn't like anything, uh, um, you know, flirty or anything like that. Something somebody posted, I posted, and she commented, or she posted, and I commented, I don't remember. But um, 
she said something along the lines of, uh, oh, I know what it was. You know, I, it was along those lines. I was making a comment about like what we're commenting here. And I was like, um, her name, you know, let's call her Sally. It wasn't her name. Sally, you know, it's it's nice to catch up with you. We really didn't uh, talk very much to each other um, in uh, in high school, in, in junior high, but it's nice to hear from you. I said, although I do remember, which is true, this is how immature maybe or insecure or whatever it's a guy thing after one game all she said i had played well she said nice game today <laughs> i'll never forget that <laughs> and i said that i said um I, I do remember though one time you talked to me after a game you said a nice game and um and uh um i said and by the way you looked really great in the, the new chilling uniforms you got and she told me that she had a crush on me back then <laughs> Whoops. What? I said, whoops. Yeah, you didn't know. I mean, you're a kid. No, but, you but, no but my point is that that I think that forget about the crush part, because that's the thing. I don't want to make it sound like it's somehow seedy or smarmy. It was the most innocent. It was nothing. And she's happily married. And it was 50 years ago. But my point was that there are people I have found, and this has happened not you know, not in situations like that where you say, "Oh, God, that girl wouldn't like me at all." She had a crush on me. Uh, there, there are guys I've worked with. I thought that guy can't stand me. And then a, a, a third party will come to me and say, "You know, I ran into Oswald the other day. He thinks you're the greatest thing." It really, and 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 that's the way. And it's more so, I think, when we're kids because unless you're the very unusual kid that when you're in those awkward adolescent years, you're just so confident that you just can march in any situation and and you know just talk and and assume everybody well i'm you know what do you want me to speak about today folks you you always have doubts and so anybody who doesn't outwardly walk around with posters that say we think bob's great <laughs> you think well he can't stand me that guy doesn't like me you know he didn't he didn't he doesn't care about me he was and and you find out afterwards that very often that's not true and it makes me wonder how often we carry that how often that carries with us as we get older the, the the things that that form our personality then carry on with us and so we you know we we're very insecure it's not a knock it's not most kids and, and talk to any child psychologist i mean the adolescent years are known for being so awkward i wonder how often that carries over to where we just if we don't assume the worst that other people think of us we at least don't assume the best because that's just what we did for our formative years you just didn't assume that you know everybody was was really cool and you find out sometimes if you take the extra second to communicate with them um i had an experience just the other day with and i don't want to bring it up because i'll give you too many clues and you'll be able to figure it out and i don't think it's important i was in going to a place for business and i had to wait and so i started to talk to the proprietor and um, uh, to be quite honest, I don't, you know, uh, let's put it this way. I don't think we view the world all that similarly politically. How about we leave it at that? But we started talking and this person wound up being just a charming, wonderful, enjoyable. And I think if I may be a modest, I think she thought the same thing about about uh, me, even though I know that we would see the world differently. And I thought, see, it's a perfect example of of what I'm just alluding to right now, that you know, if you just look at the surface stuff and say, well, you see this topic this way and I see it that way. Well, then you must be a horrible person. You must. I'll, I'll be honest. 
see it. There was a part of me when I talked about earlier in the show that this morning how I went up to go get the COVID booster. Oh, I guarantee you somebody's text. I guarantee you I'm not in the studio. I would bet our mortgage that somebody sent some sort of snarky text about that. I, I would just bet they have. And that's a, weird to me that that's, you know, that has become such a divisive thing that we can't be civil to each other. So anyway, did, yeah, I don't, don't even bother reading them because it'll make me pissed off. So, you know, you do what you do. I'm trying to do what you my doctor told me to do. You might have lost your mortgage. I didn't see one. Really? Yeah, how about that? God bless you listeners. Maybe because all the people who would feel that way say, I'm not listening to that jackass. <laughs> they left. They Maybe left because so it's your birthday. They're like, you know what? Normally I would, but. Today's your birthday. Do, 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 do. So. Um, all right. What what uh, what are we doing? Are we taking a break and then coming back? No, with, we, got, uh, we got Sully right now. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm tap dancing because I didn't think I had him. Sorry. Yeah, no, we got Sully. Well, let's bring him in. Hi, Sully. Hey, Bob. Happy birthday. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, you sent some message out the other day. Oh, I know what it was. Thank you for putting that link. I would have never seen it. The Chuck Culpepper story is unbelievable, is it not? It, the, for the people who don't know, we talked about it very briefly on last week's show. He was driving on a highway, and a gigantic tree fell on his car. And there's a picture of the tree, which is so enormous, it extends over like three lanes of traffic, and a picture of his car. And um, how he's alive is a minor miracle, to put it mildly. But um, I'd forgotten. People told me he, he, was, he, made, he plied his trade in Kentucky for a while, didn't he? Is that when you knew him, when he was down here? Well, I, I think I first encountered him at uh, when he was working for the Herald Leader. Um, but uh, he's uh, gone on to uh, much larger markets. Uh, worked for the LA Times and is now at the Washington Post, and uh, has just done terrific work. And uh, I count him as a uh, not a close friend, but a, as a guy I'm always glad to see, and uh, someone who's uh, elevated our business and. Uh, in the written words, so uh, I'm, I'm very glad that he survived that. Well, that's a very eloquent way he described it, too. It's a very interesting read. No question about that. Anyway. All right, let's uh, get to some other things. How about some thoughts on the football games yesterday and the questioning of Dan Campbell's going forward on fourth down and then Lamar, not his team, uh, Stephen A. just kind of ripping them and Lamar, especially about choking, if you will. What were your takeaways from those two games? Well, you know, I have to confess that I didn't see as much of the games as I normally would because I was taking my granddaughter to Frozen. But uh, oh, wow! How was that? Uh, it was really interesting. I mean, the uh, staging was. Uh, uh, very high tech and uh, impressive, and uh, the show is funnier than the, the cartoon. So, uh, uh, if you uh, if you can afford it, I would I would recommend it. But uh, back to the football. I mean, I you know I had the same questions about some of the uh, Lions decisions that uh, that have been raised elsewhere, and uh, you know, I I think that. Uh, you know, the fourth down play where they were on the field uh, at that point uh, struck me as uh, as a little audacious. Um, but uh, you know, I I often fault coaches for being too conservative. So I 
uh, I, I shouldn't come down too hard on them for being too aggressive, but uh, that was a that was one that I, I certainly wondered about. As far as uh, the Ravens, I mean, certainly they had their their chances and uh, had a, a really uh, terrible fumble uh, at the goal line and came a touchback, and then uh, you know Lamar didn't put up a lot of points, and uh, and a lot of people are going to seize on the interception and the triple coverage, which is certainly a legitimate point. Uh, you know, I, I think now, uh, you know, he bears a certain burden of proof. Uh, as great a player as he's been, as as much as he has uh, transformed that team, uh, you know, they haven't broken through, and you know, he's going to bear the same kind of criticism that Don Shula did uh, until he wins the big one, and uh, you know whether he he can in an era that also includes Patrick Mahomes is an open question. But uh, uh, in, a, in an AFC that is you know, top heavy with with uh, young, outstanding quarterbacks, uh, it's going to be tough to to get uh, to the big game. Uh, and uh, you know, I I wish Lamar well. Always admired him, uh, both personally and and as a uh, as an athlete. And uh, you know, I, I I just think this is the cross he's going to have to bear. Yeah, that's you know, it is it is tough. Although I think the scrutiny is is much greater now than it used to be. I mean, I don't like you're a big baseball fan. Ernie Banks never got to play in one postseason game, and yet you know he's revered in Chicago and he's regarded as one of the great players of all time. And, and now, unless you not only play in the postseason, but you got to win like a championship, they they don't take your career that seriously. And that's I don't know. It just seems like in his case, especially there's so many games, so many games you got to win now. To to get even to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. You know, in the old days, you used to win your division and you played for the championship. That was it. Now, not quite that simple. So uh, maybe there's something no. to that. You know, I wanted to ask you about one other thing, though, which I find very interesting. Apparently, Bill Belichick can't get a job. Are you surprised at that? Not entirely. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, he's an acquired taste and. You know, I, I think he's going to bear the stigma of you know, what was he without Tom Brady? Mm. Uh, you know, and you know, he's, he got fired in Cleveland, had a losing record, uh, has not uh, exactly set the world on fire since Brady left. Uh, and uh, you know, I think he's certainly a competent coach, but uh, he's you know, that's ridiculous to call a guy who's won six Super Bowls competent, but. Uh, you know, there is a buy-in with him, and if you're not ready to, uh, to to go his way and to give him the control that he wants, uh, you may be better served to go with with someone else. I, um, I I certainly think that he's capable of of, of winning in the right situation, but uh, I would I would uh, think that uh, he would be best in a, in a situation where the team is close to winning and needs you know some ingredients that it it doesn't have some uh, uh, culture that, that that he might bring uh, you know but uh, as far as X's and O's I you know I think he's probably equivalent to any coach out there but uh, his uh, his style could, could 
has capacity to wear on people. I saw an uh, interview with Bob, uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, earlier today, and he was saying that you know he might be best served taking a year off, do broadcasting, and then come back uh, a year from now and and, uh, and look for an opportunity. I mean, if, if the Cowboys don't uh, don't get deep into the uh, playoffs next year, I think Jerry Jones will be looking for a coach, and you know Belichick will be at the top of his list. Except he'll be like 72, I think, won't he? I mean, I know 70 is the new 50, but I'm not sure at his stage taking years off is, is, is that much of a good idea. I don't know. Uh, listen, you know, no disrespect to him, but in both our demographics, I don't want to age shame anybody. But, man, you got to be careful when you get up like that. You, you, you disappear for a short while. People don't even know if you're alive, let alone still coaching. So, uh, you know. Well, I I, know. That's, a, that's a fair point. I mean, you know, and uh, – you have to wonder, after all he's done, after a half a, se- half a century of coaching, you know, does he still have the uh, the fire that uh, that he had 15, 20 years ago? Uh, I think that's a that's a reasonable question. Uh, you know, and and there have been older coaches, managers who who've uh, succeeded, uh, often uh, delegating more authority than he's accustomed to delegating. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I think if you had the right situation, uh, he would be a very attractive coach. And in other situations, I think you might look to you know, to build over a longer time frame than than he might uh, uh, appeal to you. I. Uh was just down in Florida State because I had the Florida State North Carolina game for the for the network on the over the weekend and the consensus down there is not like they're I'll be honest with you there's a lot of people who aren't even particularly happy about it but they believe that they're headed to the Big Ten that because that was my question all along if they leave the ACC where the hell are they going and they said no they think the Big Ten wants them and uh, in, in many ways it makes sense it gets the Big Ten into the Florida market, and they will be all over the country, which is kind of what their mandate was. So there's a question for you. We've talked about this in one way, shape, or form in many weeks past, but it just when I got back from Florida State, I thought I'd be interested to bring it up with you again. Do you think that's the viable scenario going forward? And what does it mean for the other teams that have been rumored to leave? They can't all be going to the Big Ten, can they? I don't think so. I, I think the Big Ten is, is going to be pretty selective and you know, the question I've had about Florida State and the Big Ten all along has been, does their academic profile uh, mesh with uh, with what the the Big Ten expects? And uh, you know, I think that's an open question. But in this era, with every conference scrambling for more, more eyeballs and more TV revenue, uh, I, I don't know that that's top of mind in, in the uh, Big Ten uh officials' uh, minds. Um, you know, I think it would be a, a reasonable fit for them, probably better than the SEC because of uh, Florida. Um, and I, I would think that there are other schools in the ACC that are attractive to the SEC and, and some to the Big Ten. I, specifically, I think North Carolina could go to either one and be very welcome. Um, I, I think Miami uh, could be uh, attractive 
possibly to both, but uh, you know, there's a lot. Clemson, I think, is probably a, a, an SEC team, although you know South Carolina may have some objections to that. Um, but you know, at this point, trying to get through the the grant of rights uh, issue is going to be very difficult and very expensive. And I, I'm not sure how many schools are are going to, to uh, either be able to litigate this successfully or forward to pay it. And uh, I think as long as that's the case, at least you know, for the foreseeable future, uh, I, I think the ACC is, is holding a, a pretty good hand, all things considered. I think it's interesting that if you ask listeners right now to tell me who runs the SEC, they could probably tell you. It's Greg Sankey. But I bet you more than half won't be able to tell you who runs the NCAA now. I mean, that if that's not an indication that they've become, you know, for all those years, Walter Byers and then, you know, uh, while much, you may have been much maligned, you knew who Emmert was. Uh, I don't know if anybody even knows who the hell a guy is right now. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'm just they're 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 just eroding brick by brick until they go away. I think, or at least they become, uh, you know, like Ped um, Bath and Beyond. I think is is a uh, is an online thing now. You know, after having all those brick and mortar stores, they just they went brick by brick. They gradually went away. Uh, this, I think Toys R Us is like that too. That's what I see the NCAA doing. They'll they'll organize maybe the cross country championships and stuff, but they just can't be a player anymore on the landscape. But that leads to the question: Who fills the void? I mean, that's that's the thing. Because I've said I, I'm of the belief that they are obsolete, but. Who fills the void? You know, they, they you, you gotta have, you gotta answer to somebody. Where, where could they go? Where could college sports go if you buy into the fact the NCAA has outlived its usefulness? Well, to answer your trivia question, Charlie Baker is the president of the NCAA. Old man uh, Baker, yeah, old man Baker's <laughs> kid, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I think there has to be some kind of a organization that runs championships. Uh, presumably that uh, enforces the rules uh, and whether that's the NCAA or some other entity uh, I think uh, is an open question There's there's been talk for years of, of uh, big time football breaking away from the NCAA and being its own entity uh, I think you know we're getting closer and closer to that as, as it becomes more and more clear that you know, that football drives the bus and that uh, everyone else is is uh, kind of hanging on uh, to the rear bumper. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy to, to uh, disband the NCAA as much as some of us might like to see that happen. Uh, there's just so much infrastructure uh, that that is needed for all these sports, uh, maybe football excluded, Uh and uh, it's it's very hard to unravel all that, I think. Uh, but you know, it, I do think I've said probably repeatedly and on the show that you know, we are in an era of enormous change in college athletics and predicting what it's going to be like 
three years from now, five years from now, ten years ago, ten years from now, very perilous. Uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, and I, uh, I think that uh, we're getting closer to athletes being paid directly. Although I'm still not sure what you know what's going to happen to force that, uh, whether it's going to be a court case or uh, just a recognition that uh, the current system is uh, untenable. Um, but uh, you know, stay tuned. I mean, it's uh, it, we've seen more change in the last five years than in the fifty that preceded it, and uh, you know, I think that's going to continue. You know what? I don't know. If, uh, I just started reading it. I'm about a third of the way through. I don't know if you've already read it, but D- Dana O'Neill wrote a book about the Big East. Did Did you read it? Have you Are you familiar with it? I have not seen it. I, I'm a big admirer of Dana's work, and uh, I, I should I should check that out. Well, you, I think you'd really enjoy it, and the reason I bring it up here is because it documents. You know, she interviewed like 60 people for the book, and they do a pretty good job of step by step going through how it actually came to be. It's it's you know, those of us who really enjoyed the Big East enjoyed the 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 fruits of their labor but i'm not sure you know we really understood how they got where they got and this book documents that and the guy that everybody in one thousand percent is in agreement was the guy that was the driving force was the former providence coach and athletic director dave gavitt who um just had the vision to do this and then basically just made it all happen he went to see the people at st john's and georgetown Villanova, and john thompson the late john thompson's got a great quote in the book talking about he he called it huddling. That's what he called it. He said, "Here comes Dave. He's going to huddle again. He wants to, he's going to get everybody huddling." That's how he called it when he managed to get all these diverse parties together. And Thompson's quote in the book, which I love, is that he would see um, uh, Dave Gabbett walking down the hall, and he said he would say to himself, "Uh oh, here comes Dave, and he's going to ask him to do something I don't want to do again." And I'm going to do it. <laughs> that's just that's what he did. And 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 it's fascinating. It's an entertaining read. If nothing else, you'll be entertained. But here's the reason I bring it up is because he had the good sense to look at the landscape. And in the Northeast, they had all these basketball rich programs and they were playing in this crazy umbrella conference called the ECAC, which and that all of a sudden he was smart enough to know TV was going to be a big player in this and it happened to be perfect timing because ESPN had just come onto the scene and they were trying to get away from just doing dog shows and frisbee contests and stuff and and they really made their name some would argue with college basketball and especially Big East basketball and the point behind that is he had the vision and he had the personality and he put the, uh, the components together and he got them to buy into okay well this will be good for the, the greater good no, don't just think about yourself. And they did that kind of like Pete Rozelle did when he got the NFL from a kind of minor league to super major league status. All right. So that's a long winded way of saying, even if you could find a guy with that kind of personality now, is the landscape such that you could do that? In other words, could you fill needs? Would, would it take finding out a way to get the players paid and finding out a way to get your games on the air? through untraditional ways, not like terrestrial television, or has that ship sailed and maybe there's no way to do that? What do you think? Well, I think if you can make money from uh, universities, they will listen to you. And uh, 
there's an old story about uh, Sonny Bakara meeting with the uh, uh, a group of NCAA uh, executives and, and university presidents and uh, somebody complaining about how uh, they didn't think that uh, student-athletes should be you know, billboards for, uh, for a shoe company. And and Vaccaro's response was, well, you know, I, I agree with you, but, you know, all I can do is offer you the money. You have to take it. And they all did. So, <laughs> True. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what, what, you know, what the magic formula is or what uh, TV rights are going to be like as uh, it grows ever more fragmented. Um, you know, I, I, I had an objection to... Uh, the NFL putting uh, a game on Peacock uh, because uh, you know that that kind of limits the audience, and uh, that audience is paying for most of the NFL stadia in one form or another. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think when when the public is subsidizing your business to the tune of billions of dollars uh, in uh, construction and uh, tax breaks. Um, you know, I think they almost have a right to uh, do your programming. On mm. uh, some, you know, that's that's a pretty esoteric argument, I know, but uh, you know, I, I do I do see that uh, the public is is uh, is getting taken for a ride by the NFL, and mm. uh, I object to that. But you know, that, I'm I'm getting off the off the uh, the subject that, that that you raised, but. Uh, I don't know how the future of, of sports on television is, is going to look because it appears that you know the uh, the rights fees that that uh, schools have come to rely on uh, may have peaked at least temporarily because the the, the product is now so fragmented uh, nobody has the the, the sweep that Netflix once did, uh, but you know you're you're seeing uh, new entities uh, paying uh, huge prices for exclusivity on, on uh, WWE now. So mm. uh, I, you know you can't rule out that uh, that the, uh, the the price will continue to go up. And you know if some operator, whether it's Apple or uh, Microsoft or uh, or more traditional television uh, producer decides they want to uh, make more sense out of college sports and streamline it and, and sell it in a way that uh, benefits the schools and the athletes uh, you know the old saying is you build a better mousetrap and the world will be the path to your door. Yeah. Hey, brother, it's good to talk to you. You take care of yourself. I'll see you soon. We appreciate the time, Tim. Be well. Take care. All right, Tim Sullivan with us here on the V Show on ESPN 680-1057. He makes a really subtle point there, but to me, it's among the most powerful, and that is we are all looking for models as consumers as well we should. Like, all right, what am I, what am I going to – I want to be in, anticipate how I can access what I want to watch. And so where are they going? And the problem is that there is only one NFL 
right now. And they can play by rules that don't apply to anybody else. For example, they are the only ones that can put media deals together with everybody. I mean, it, it's, it was unheard of. That was the reason they all got into bidding wars years ago, is that I wanted the exclusive rights to fill in the blank, the NFL, the NBA, whatever it may be. Well, now they're on everywhere. I mean, that's astounding to me. They are on CBS, NBC, ABC slash ESPN, Fox. They're even on Prime. They're on uh, all these non-terrestrial networks. Peacock is is an affiliated uh, uh, entity from NBC, but they're still not a broadcast network. They are on everything. And, And so... You may say, well, that's the way it's going to go in the future, but it's not because you're not, they're not, nobody's, nobody wants the product so badly that they'll all pay for it like they've got all of these people paying and they're all paying significant money. I mean, there was a few, not that long ago, 20 years maybe, that the NHL basically offered their inventory to ESPN for nothing. They were so desperate to get on television in the United States because they had fallen on really bad TV times. They were on, like, Oxygen or something. I don't remember what the hell they were on. It was uh, some OLN. They were on the oh, Outdoor Life oh Network. Oh, my. Which turned into yeah, Versus because... for, like, two minutes. And then, it yeah, that... I, well, I, Versus was the OLN. It was no, just no, the... No, no, new... OLN became Versus, yeah. Well, that's it, what I meant. It, yeah, it, Versus... Yeah, I mean, all they did was rebrand themselves. And, I mean, it made no sense. Hockey, other than two games a year, maybe, is not an outdoor activity. So why be on the outdoor network? I don't know. But they had nowhere to go. And now, of course, it's better. And, and you know, this is where you start seeing broadcast entities think outside the box. Like, nobody thought the English Premier League would be a valuable commodity. And when NBC lost everything, they lost the NBA. They didn't have much NFL inventory. They lost college football, basically. They still had um, Notre Dame. But then all of a sudden, they had something. They had to fill and having a sports network. What the hell are they going to fill it with? They started to put Premier League games on, and people started to watch. And then championship, the the last regular season day, because they don't have playoffs in the Premier Premier League. So the last day, that would became a, a ratings bonanza. They did very well. So you're going to, I think that's the way you're going to see is these, uh, and people care about, they're starting to watch the other sports. You know, it's that we're not so niched anymore about the old traditional sports. So I don't know where the hell we're going. But I mean, but all of that is true in general about sports. Now you throw in the added element of colleges and universities. Now, I don't want to make it sound like Chicken Little's the Sky Swan. I was watching while the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, while the uh, uh, um, playoff games were on in the restaurant, next to it was the um, Tennessee, who the hell did they play? Ole Miss? I guess it was Ole Miss. I believe women's so, game. yeah. Yeah. Tennessee, Ole Miss women's game. And, uh, and it was at Ole Miss, was not at Tennessee. And Ole Miss, you know, the SEC's had good women's basketball, but Tennessee is, a, is its own creature. So I noticed there were a lot of people in the crowd, and I would not have been surprised if it were Tennessee. But even Ole Miss, now I don't think they're getting 20,000 people, but there was a good crowd. And that is a great success story. And, and good. One I'm glad to see. Pulled I love basketball. Sorry? They pulled the upset. 
Yeah, but the, yeah, it's only the second time they beat him in like last 30 years or something like that. But the point being, people pay attention to women's basketball now. I heard them talking. See, I do actually listen. I heard them talking on the morning show today about why don't they start taking bets on women's basketball. And I heard Blankenbaker say, or Drew did, that they do when they get to the conference tournament and the NCAA. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's not a matter of a lack of interest. It's a matter of you don't have enough people that are well-versed in it yet to to put the analytics together because um, there's not, I guess, uh, there hasn't been a body of work enough for them to feel confident that they could make betting lines that would, you know, be attractive and make the money, which is the bottom line. But but point being, though, you know, the NCAA was a, was a big part of that. They drove the bus. They When they negotiated TV contracts, they negotiated to make sure that the women had a, a marquee place. In fact, I don't know if you know, when they first put the contract together, CBS, I think, was supposed to take the... They had to take the Division II championship game, and I think they had to take the women's championship. And eventually, the ESPN really embraced it, and they've done a hell of a job with taking the whole women's tournament. It's now, to them, what the old men's tournament used to be when they had basically all the games up until the Final Four. Um, And so it's great to see the interest in it. I think it's wonderful. But so, I don't know. You know, you see soccer emerging in this country. And that's I don't know where we're going. It may not be... You know what we are used to in terms of what the con- I mean. There may be four super conferences, and in some ways, it makes me sad. I mean, the ACC has been a part of my life for forty years, forty three years. My brother got the job at NC State in 1979. And then uh, obviously with Louisville and now not much of our inventory at ESPN or ACC games. I would miss. I would miss it. I re- and I, you know, but things the times they are changing. We'll see where where we go from here. Um, there's lots of basketball coming your way here on our family of networks. Tomorrow, Louisville's at Clemson, uh, 7.30 airtime on the Ville. The game is at 9 o'clock, um, the late game on ESPN television. Thursday, Louisville women take on Syracuse. That's 6.30 airtime on the Ville. And Bellarmine takes on uh, Kennesaw at 7.15. Saturday, what a lineup this is. This is really – I mean, I'm always proud to work here, but I love stuff like this. Starts at 11.45 with St. John's versus UConn. How great a game is that? Then I'll be, I'm proud to say I'll be part of this broadcast team as we head to Lawrence, Kansas for Houston and Kansas. What a matchup that should be at 3.30 on 93.9 The Ville. Bellarmine's on the road to take on Queens at 3.45 on 680-1057. Duke takes on North Carolina at 6.15 on ESPN 680. That, of course, is one of the legendary matchups. And then Louisville is matched up with Florida State here. That'll be from the KFC Yum Center 6.30 airtime for 93.9 The Ville. My goodness, that is a day. Wherever you are, have your radio nearby or your computer or your phone or something. Cause oh, a lot that, of basketball. Oh, and, and all good basketball in that bunch. That's damned entertaining. Looking forward to it. Don't forget, additional programming tonight, the high school hour, excuse me, Wednesday, not tonight, Wednesday, the high school hour presented by the Cutter Group uh, airs on ESPN 680-1057. So really interesting stuff uh, coming up um, uh, here on our, your family of networks on ESPN. All right, we are... Um what are we going to do here? Trying to figure out if there's any features we need to... Oh, did, did you put a menage or montage together or no? We do nope. have a menage. We do have a menage. We also have, uh, courtesy of our friends at Spring Street Bar and Grill. Uh, Spring Street, they got 
trivia tonight starting at 7 p.m. Cash prizes to the top three uh, teams. We definitely need to enter that at some point. That'd be fun. Um, so, yeah, shout out Spring Street, our sponsor for the Menage Montage. We have that. We also have a conference call. So a uh, whole lot of oh, good. Oh, man, what a, what a day we're having. All right, so we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and uh, do more radio with you. Thanks for uh, sharing this Monday edition on my birthday, if you're so inclined to uh, – I don't know, to do what? I don't know. Say happy birthday or just have more information than you had before. And you may not have known that. Now you do. But we're glad you're with us on this Monday. ESPN 680-1057. Taking care of your family isn't always easy. So we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling.